You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Look, take them off. Put them down. Put them down. Stay in step. Stay in step. Sound the good. Sound the good. Listen up. Listen up. Got to learn. Got to learn. New case. New case. You can do it, you can do it. Listen up, listen up. Stay in your cell, stay in your Keep tapping. Okay, that can mean only one thing, and that means it's time for David's pick. And um, we've got a very special guest on, and want to remind everybody that... Uh, you know, David's Pick is is sort of David's Pick, but it's also sort of a show for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, if you haven't been to the Hall of Fame, then you really need to go and check it out. It's in downtown Atlanta, right across the street from the Capitol. And uh, we've got a very special guest on today that's uh, involved with our youth, and that's that even makes him more important and it's colonel rick steppett and um rick is a retired colonel from the uh, army and has a very interesting uh, resume and um he's going to explain to us later what keeps those things that uh, have no wings flying in the air and uh, everybody that uh, anybody that went to nam and i did not go to nam and i always want to make that clear but i do know the sound of the and coming in and uh, we always always show our highest respect and admiration for the dust off pilots in vietnam they were extraordinary they're extraordinary individuals and uh, they saved so so many lives in vietnam and in other wars since then but uh you know, we, we do uh, salute them every week and uh, once again doing it today. So with that being said, Rick, welcome to America's Web Radio. Well, thank you very much, David. It's, um, it's, an, actually, uh, it's an absolute honor uh, to, to be here today. Thank you for having me on. And um, I, I tell you, uh, it's, uh, it's a truly a blessing to, uh, to be able to, to head up this JRTC program at the King's Academy. And um, we are we have a um, uh, just awesome cadets, awesome program, and uh, it, to God be the glory. <clears throat> well, you know we uh, we have gotten where, and and I am very sincere about this. I have a, a son that's in the Air Force, uh, stationed in Germany, and uh, intel officer, and uh, awesome. he uh, is going to make a career of it, and. We, we promote the military for anyone that's listening, be whatever age they are. If you're a grandparent and you have a grandson or granddaughter uh, graduating from high school or from college, and uh, we're going to say this probably two or three times during the show, Rick, but if they're graduating and they haven't made up their mind what they want to do, there is no better opportunity than today's military, and I don't care which branch it's in. But there are more opportunities in the military today than, as the old saying goes, you could shake a stick at. Um, That's right. They, it is a great, great opportunity. You'll, and it's not just quote unquote the military. It's also all of the uh, 
fringe benefits of it from education to learning a trade to making the best friends you'll ever have in your life. And it also, you will be joining the biggest fraternity or sorority in the world. And that's the U.S. Army, Navy, Marines, um, Coast Guard, whatever you decide you want to do. But it's there is a place for the young person in our military that will find it totally rewarding. And by the way, Rick, let me correct me if I'm wrong. You, you're more military than I am. But if you get in a situation, say you join the uh, uh, Coast Guard and you decide, well, you know, really, there's a program over in the Navy or in the uh, Army that I would be interested in pursuing, you can switch services, correct? Absolutely, that uh, that's happened quite a bit. Actually, the uh, we actually have a lot of a lot of folks coming from the Marines. The uh, my my uh, and the Marines are great service, but uh, for some reason they the former Marines find uh, sometimes more opportunity maybe in in the Army because it's bigger. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my non commissioned officer that I I serve with, uh, great guy, Sergeant Robert Clements. We have a great team, and he was a former Marine and left and went to the Army. And uh, so, so it's not uncommon to um, to see that happen. And I agree with you. Um, I, I I love your comments about great place to start. A lot of those members that go into the military may not make a career out of it, but it's a great place to start. Give you some skills. Give you some uh, some money to save up, and uh, some great experiences that you would have never gotten before. So I, I agree with your comments completely. And it and it looks fantastic on your resume, and uh, more and more people that are in hiring positions are looking because they know that the training and the discipline that you've had being in the military is going to be a reflection of how you perform your job with a company. But let's let's get back to you, Rick. Tell yep. us tell us about your background and uh, how you got uh, from. Where you where you were to being uh, with the uh, junior ROTC? Well, thank you, David. I, I appreciate that. So, in order to be a, an army an army JROTC instructor or any JROTC instructor, you have to be retired from the military. So, I spent thirty years in the military. I I um, I left high school too, went to college, and really didn't even have any intent of going in the military. My dad was uh, fought World War II. 28-year military man, and uh, mostly on the reserves after his active duty in, in World War II, and uh, he was encouraging me along the way, but uh, like many kids going to college, I had to figure it out for myself, and so uh, I went to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, and about the second year, I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. Uh, I needed some money, and uh, uh, plugged into the ROTC department, absolutely loved it. Uh, three years later, I commissioned as a second lieutenant in the armor field, and so uh, I was a tanker. But uh, that wasn't for me, and uh, not only can you change branches, but you can pr- change uh, uh, sometimes job skills within the Army. And uh, so I would, uh, I would see these helicopters flying around, and, and a friend of mine said, you know, we're going to do that one day. And sure enough, we, we uh, did what was necessary, got the, got the proper um, testing, and uh, did the physical. Next thing you know, we were off to flight school. And wow. uh, so I, <laughs> I spent mo- most of my career as a, as a pilot. Uh, only the, the latter part of my career was I an intelligence officer like, like your son. 
Well, you know, uh, what keeps those things that are, they used to, many years ago, probably uh, well before you were born, they used to call them uh, uh, mix masters, I believe, weren't they? And uh, because they, uh, the chopper, as they were called also, uh, that those big blades going around and around, how in the world do they keep that thing up, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, a helicopter, it's a, a lot of uh, opposing aerodynamic factors. A helicopter doesn't want to fly. You have to force it to fly, unlike an airplane. An airplane oh, yeah. is uh, I know. I, just... I was a general aviation pilot. There you go. That's so, it. I know how they work. I just never figured out the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, like I said, you have to force it to fly. There you go. But, uh, but it's like anything else. You know, the, the Army trains you very well, and they train you how to fly it. And when it doesn't want to fly, they, they train you very well in emergency procedures. Yeah, so, the uh, reverse don't rotor, have very often. Reverse rotary or whatever it's called? Reverse. Yeah, autorotation. Autorotation, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I prefer to stay up than come down. There you go. But, uh, you know, it's amazing the... Uh, the uh, career, quote unquote, of a, of the helicopter, in that uh, they were, I guess, the first war they were really sort of used in was uh, Korea. But as we've seen on Mash, they were the old Bell was uh, used sort of as a dust off, but it was more like uh, getting the getting the uh, wounded from one place to another in in a fairly safe zone. Whereas in in Vietnam. Uh, we started using the Hueys as dust-offs, and uh, like I said to begin with, I, I have all the admiration in the world for the for the uh, Huey pilots that, that flew the dust-offs, and the missions that they flew were just absolutely incredible. And I'll go right. one step further, is the, the nurses that would climb on board a dust-off going after someone and uh, they were just as much in harm's way as the pilot was. So, uh, our I love the United States of America, and I love more our veterans and the folks that have been called upon to do almost uh, beyond human events, you know, and take and do things that uh, uh, humans shouldn't even be called on to do and yet they've done it and uh yeah, that's right that goes for a lot of a lot of pilots and uh, particularly the dust off okay so uh now you're trained as a pilot a uh a, a uh apache pilot right i was a blackhawk pilot oh, blackhawk i'm sorry oh i could get in trouble for that couldn't i <laughs> that's okay um and uh, I always think of, of the Blackhawk on the ad where it's it's hidden behind uh, trees or a mountain or something like that, and then it comes rises up and is ready to fire. Yeah, the Blackhawk was actually the replacement, and uh, the Huey and the Blackhawk were actually in service at the same time, and there are still some Hueys in service with the um, with the Marines. The Marines are, are flying twin engine. Hueys and hmm. uh, the the Army always uh, only flew uh, single engine. Right. Well, I knew there was some uh, Hueys still in some guard units, but I didn't know that they were still on on any kind of uh, active situation. Yeah, the Marines are still using them. Yep, they arm them and they put another engine on there, and uh, it's a great great platform. Wow. Uh, well, I, I and I think that uh, 
Cur- again, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Huey was the first uh, armed helicopter, right? That's correct. That's, that's right. And uh, and that all came about because of Vietnam. Right. And it uh, it <laughs> I guess it revolutionized the uh, helicopter industry and and uh, the Black Hawk. Uh, golly, what it can do and what it could do at the time. Well. The time was it was really after Vietnam, wasn't it? Yes, uh, it, uh, that's correct. Right, it um, it, it came in uh, into service probably the uh, Black came into service probably the late seventies, and then uh, went production I think early nineteen eighty. It went into production as the UH sixty Alpha model. And it, uh, as I recall, it's <laughs> it's a two seater, but it's front and back, and that's it, right? Yeah, you have, uh, well, it, it carries 12 combat, combat le- loaded troops, so it's a squad. Okay. And then you have uh, two pilots and uh, two gunner positions, so, you know, fully fully mission capable, you're, you're carrying, uh, you know, 16 people on, on board that airplane. Wow, wow. Okay, now, we've talked about the fun part of it, but that's probably not true, too. Uh, let's talk about what you do with, with young folks. and uh, Great. The ROTC mission, I think, and I, I didn't go through it. I wished I had. My son went through both the, uh, uh, he went to A&M, he went through the Corps, as well as Air Force ROTC at the same time. And uh, I certainly respect him highly for for his career and what he's been doing, but uh, he's a lot smarter than his father, and I didn't do any of it because uh, there were rumors of what was going on in Vietnam, and uh, I went the uh, I went the route of uh, Dan Quayle, unfortunately, and uh, that was a mistake on my part. But uh, I made many of them in my life. But um, the ROTC, describe your program and and how you look at the ROTC and the junior ROTC. Well, thank you for, once again, thank you for asking, David. Uh, the, um, the mission, you know, the, the Army and uh, the service, the military is all driven by the mission. And so uh, the mission statement in JRTC is, uh, is motivating young people to be better citizens. And so that's what we try to do. And I think there's never a better time in the, in the life of our country for us to be able to do that right now motivating young people to become better citizens we need we need some great citizens out there and i think uh, i think we're able to execute that at the king's academy the king's academy has been around for about 22 years it's a terrific school and uh and that's the school that i'm located at in woodstock georgia there's there's probably about 1700 programs rotc programs in the army uh nationwide we're one of them and uh we've been around for about 10 years i think they've had um a for 10 years. When I retired in 19, uh, or 2000, I, I loved it, and uh, now here I am 10 years later. Okay, and, Rick, uh, Rick, are you walking around or something? You're breaking up. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stationary. Huh. For some reason, yeah. you started breaking up as you were talking okay. about that. Yeah. So, um, but it's, um, it's a privilege to be there. I, I get blessed by just uh, being able to be around these wonderful cadets. And um, we have uh, we have we start the school year about uh, 50 cadets at the beginning of the year, 
and uh, we teach them uh, we teach them about leadership, citizenship. Uh, we have some physical training, and uh, it's just uh, it's a great experience. The cadets love it. I like to say it's called um, fun with a purpose. They're having a great time. They get to know each other better. They get to lead and serve, and but there's a purpose behind it, and and that is uh, we, we like to we like to teach leaders. And we teach leadership, and leadership is the ability to influence others and uh, to accomplish a mission by providing purpose, direction, and motivation. And that's the definition of it, and we see that. And we have some actually awesome cadets that we produce. They go to academies. They go to senior military colleges. Uh, I'd say about half of our cadets actually go into the military, uh, some years more than others. But um, they all go out and do, and do great things, and they, they have wonderful memories of our JRQC program. And I, and I can just tell you also, it doesn't, it doesn't start when they get to, to my program. We have great parents, and it starts at home. And uh, I think there's no better time now that, that the strength of the family, and I, I'm, I'm just have the privilege of being able to some of these kids where it starts at home and they get, uh, and they get love and they get encouragement. And I can teach them a little bit, um, a little bit more, and come alongside the parents and and show them what, it, what it's like to serve. Because leadership is is not about follow me; it's about serving serving those whom you lead. And uh, and so it's a, it's a little different than maybe they may have been taught before, but it's uh, it's just a, a great to see it happen uh, during their four years of JRTC. You know, um, you brought up some interesting points that I don't know that. Uh the listeners necessarily uh, grabbed onto or didn't grab onto, but uh, you know, I from what I was hearing, you're you're teaching or instructing or presenting. I, maybe I like that word better than than teaching. You're presenting uh, an aspect that many years ago was also taught in what we call social studies or American history or whatever and um it it really isn't taught today like it uh, was when i was in school and you also hit it on the head too about parents and the parents that will take their kids and teach them outside of school about how fortunate they are to live in the united states and what a great Absolutely. country they are they're in and um you know it takes uh it takes that evening meal in many cases to do that. That's the only time the mother and father may see their kids together, you know. But yeah, that's and it's a shame that we, in many cases, have gotten away from it. But yeah. uh, you know, I commend you certainly for, and it, it's it's not your responsibility. This is my opinion. Not your responsibility to take up the slack. But it certainly sounds like you have, and you know every. Uh, I, I would almost venture to say I don't know how many kids you work with, but I would venture to say each and every one of them is different and has a need from yeah. you that's different from the person on their right or the person on the left. You know. Yeah, no, it's a great point, David. And just think about you know as a parent, sometimes you know the the. Uh, the young man or young lady, we have a, a lot of great young lady cadets as well. Mm-hmm. More, more guys than girls, but some of the girls are just absolutely awesome, and, and they're, they're actually, uh, you can beat the guys in, in some of the, the activities that we do. But think about it, you know, sometimes you're telling your son or your daughter 
something over and over again, and you wonder why why they're not hearing it because it's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. When when someone else says it, and you're saying the same thing, but a different person saying it, you come alongside the parent, and you're able to be of their, of their values, what they what they um, um, and want to want to teach some these tips. And and sometimes I'm able to reach them, maybe even a little bit better than the parent. Although I'm saying the same thing, if you follow that. Oh yeah, and so, <laughs> I I had this situation uh, when I was in high school with uh, my parents and my aunt and uncle. And my uncle, I loved to death. I didn't love him more, and I love my dad. But you know, my dad was my dad, and my dad uh, would tell me something, and and uh, I wasn't always resentful, but sometimes it didn't, like you said, it didn't stick. But my, my uncle could tell me exactly the same thing, and it made sense, and that was the way I'd go. And I, you know, and, and but, you know, that's, that's, you know, when I was 18, I knew everything, and the older I get, I don't even have the questions, much less the answers. And, uh, I think this is something that we all teenagers, that's why they're called teenagers and adolescents. And, you know, we all go through it. And if we survive it, then uh, we look back on our parents and say, you know, like like we've always heard, boy, the older I get, the smarter my parents get. That's it. That's it. And, you know, we're a we're a cadet run program. So, in other words, the cadets don't don't come in there. Okay, Colonel is urgent. What are we doing today? I have some some leaders. We we have a we're you know modeled after a military style structure, and that's the battalion within within the army. So, but we have cadet leaders that form an organization. And what I do is I leave, I meet with my with my top leader, my battalion commander, first thing in the morning, and uh, and I ask him first thing I ask him, okay, what's what are we doing today? What's on the plan? And uh, and we'll have and sit down and have a discussion, and it's up to him to to execute his plan for the day. And I tell you, I've had some absolutely phenomenal leaders. Uh, the last couple of years, I've had some some uh, some great leaders. Uh, sometimes we have one leader, which is a battalion commander throughout the year. This year we had two. Hmm. And they, they were a great tag team. We had a, a young lady, uh, Miss Marissa Seifer, and another, another uh, fellow by the name of Paul Forsberg. And just a great, great tag team. Each, each came out leadership a little bit differently. But the important thing is is they loved those whom they serve and i think that was that was the uh, that was the game changer for this year and they served them it's not as if okay you know they just say here's what we're going to do is they came alongside them and said how can i help you which is a very very different aspect and and way of coming at leader leaders leadership but that's the best way to do it and uh and we need David, more so than ever before, we need absolutely terrific, godly leaders within this nation right now, and uh, and we are developing them at, them at Kings Academy JRTC, and and uh, and, I, and once again, I have the privilege to be there. I'm just so uh, fortunate that I can guide them a little bit, uh, and I have just a um, uh, just a snapshot of their life that I can maybe uh, help them a little bit along the way. So it's a it's a great experience. Oh, it, it, it must be, and, uh, you know, the feeling you must have when you go home at night must be absolutely incredible, that uh, the work that yeah. you're doing and the work that you're doing, and, 
and watching watching these kids mold and and uh, build within as leaders and yeah. uh, you know it it, uh, it must be a great feeling to be able to say well maybe we do stand a chance because of <laughs> Uh, the leaders that we're building, and uh, and I I'm, I hope it's uh, across the country, and uh, it will be that big because, like you said to begin with, we're in a time right now that uh, we need leadership, and we need uh, we need uh, young folks to look at what's going on and say this is wrong. I can do better, and yeah. I will take the bull by the horns and do better. Yeah, and, uh, and I can tell you, it takes it. It's, it it takes teamwork. I have a non-commissioned officer, and as I said, his name was Robert Clements. He's a sergeant first class. And as you you well know, being in the military, officers and NCOs they they do different things. They're uh, they're trained different ways. And so, in every ROTC pro, junior ROTC program, and also at the ROTC program, which is the senior level, they'll always have an officer and a non-commissioned officer. Because the officers and non-commissioned officers come look at look at leadership, look at executing and completing the mission a little bit differently. For an officer, I was trained as a leader to be more of a manager, a um, a technical uh, technical expert in my field as a as a helicopter pilot. But I also had a lead. I had to manage. I, I, I had to learn supply. And uh, a more comprehensive approach with the, with the non-commissioned officers, as you well know, the non-commissioned officers are the ones who are really working down there with the, with the soldiers, or in this case, the cadets, teaching them drill and ceremony, uh, teaching them discipline, and really more hands-on. And and so we come at it as a team when we when we train and teach our cadets. And then the school, too. The school is a big supporter of it, uh, of the King's Academy. They provide us resources, uh, a classroom, um, facilities, uh, give us a lot of flexibility. And so it's a, it's a great teamwork. So it's not all me. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really a teamwork. And then, and then I, I invite the parents in there, too. And I tell you, I couldn't do what I do, and we couldn't accomplish this mission with these kids without, without great parental support. And so uh, it's uh, and once again it all it all starts with the family and and uh, I love working with with my parents as well. well let me ask uh, and I don't know and I normally wouldn't ask something like this because I didn't go over with you before the show. But uh, out of your parents, this is okay. This is sort of like this show. Uh, and when I talk to Vietnam veterans and so forth. Um, Vietnam veterans, in many, many cases, don't want to talk about their experience with somebody that hadn't been in the military. And uh, they'll talk to me because I was in that era, and and, uh, we all went through the same basic training. We all raised our right hand and so forth and so on. Uh, So my question is, out of the parents that you work with, how many would you expect have have some type of military background and are, you know, when you say they're supporting their kids and so forth, um, have been in the military or have, you know, some relationship to the military, and can you tell the difference in the kids? Well, you know, it's a great question because, uh, and, and, I, and just to answer it uh, very simply, 
most of the parents have not had direct military experience. Now, they might have, we'll talk and as I get to know them better, and they'll say, you know, my, my dad served or my had an uncle. Uh, in some cases, we have, we've had parents that have served in the National Guard, maybe even active duty. But for the most part, they, they, don't, they don't know what it is to serve in the military. They're, they're intrigued. They see the value. And, and they want to help their, their young man or young lady uh, uh, experience something new. So they said, you know what, here's a, here's a new activity. JRTC, we, we may have tried sports. We may have tried drama. And uh, that either worked or it didn't work. But we're going to try this, this thing called JRTC. And I can tell you, most of the kids that come into JRTC absolutely love it. They, um, they're a little hesitant. Sometimes their uh, parents say, you're going to try this, whether you want it, whether you like it or not. Excuse me, I had a daughter like that, that she was kicking and screaming, didn't want to go. And, uh, and so she went to JRTC. Four years later, she became the battalion commander and absolutely loved it. <laughs> so, uh, so, the, so that happens. But, but um, yeah, and, and to, the, to answer the second part of that question, I, I can say um, you asked, uh, can you tell the difference between parents that, that have had military experience and have not? Uh, and I, I can answer that and say, not really, because the, the most important thing that we can get from the home is love. And that's what these parents are providing for these kids, because they want them. And you said it earlier. We always want better for our kids. Sure. And, and that's what these parents want. And they want to help them however they can to, uh, to realize how God made them. And so uh, I think that's... Uh, that's the most important thing, and you see that. You see the love of these kids come through with their, with their character, with their values, with their excitement, what they want to accomplish, and uh, it's a win-win for everyone. Rick, you're extraordinary, and we're going to take a quick break. Like I said, this is sort of my show, but it's also sort of the show for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and we always awesome. like to uh, talk about that in uh, uh, I believe you have a little connection with the Hall of Fame, right? I do, yes. Oh, my goodness, yeah. There's and, a, a couple of organizations that we absolutely love to, to help and serve, and the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame is one of them. The American Legion is the other one. But uh, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, uh, Colonel Rick White, uh, is, um, is a terrific leader. He was one of my guest speakers one year at my military ball. Uh, great American. And, absolutely. And uh, he's the one that... Uh, He's invited us down to the state capitol once a year, and we actually um, uh, induct those veterans that have been chosen to, uh, as the new class to come into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. It's a privilege. We were down there with the governor. It's a, it's a big deal. We're at the, at the rotunda of the state capitol this year. We work with, uh, with the Navy organization, Navy JROTC, so it's joint. And uh, it's just a it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience, and uh, we are we are we are we're privileged to do it, and that they ask us back every year. You know, there's uh, I want to throw out one other thing, and this is the uh, Johns Creek Healing Wall, which uh, Johns Creek took the fifty uh, percent size uh, wall that traveled all over the United States. It's a replica, fifty percent size replica of the. Vietnam Veterans Wall in or Vietnam Wall in uh, Washington D.C. 
And they're they're going to JC is going to be putting a uh, kiosk up that will you'll be able to go in, type in a name of a friend or family member, and it'll give you the exact location of that name where you can uh, go and etch it off or whatever you want to do. But uh, it's open. It's open t- basically 24/7 in Newtown Park in Johns Creek, Georgia, and certainly you're invited. To both. Uh, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame is open Monday through Friday, and we encourage you, if you're coming to Atlanta, go see it. Go to the J- Johns Creek Healing Wall, and also uh, Peachtree Corners has a memorial to uh, uh, Vietnam veterans. So North Georgia and Georgia in general are more and more doing their part. Now, I want to get back to, uh, I was there this past uh, I, March or whenever it was at the, uh, yes, right. the in, yep. induction. And, uh, you know, I've told this story again and again. And I guess I guess it started uh, when I would go to uh, football games at uh, my alma mater, Texas Tech, many, many years ago when I was a kid. And... Um, I still get, and, and I'm not a kid anymore by any means. Even, even my white hair proves that. But um, I still get, God, I hate to admit this, but I still get chill bumps, and uh, the hair stands up on my arms and my neck when a good, proficient honor guard passes. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I, you know... I loved it when I was in the service and saluted and and uh, still salute when our flag goes by. And a good honor guard, I just, you know, I I could get down on my knees, but not for the same reason other people do. There but, you go. And, you know, know and, we, and we have one of those. So that's one of our more active, spe- we call it a special team. It's mm-hmm. our color, we call it a color guard. And uh, four-person color guard. And, they're, and they compete against other schools throughout the metro area. We do very well, but they're the most active team because once someone sees our color guard, mm-hmm. they ask for it, and they ask for us by name. The American Legion is one of them. We, just, we did a flag retirement ceremony at uh, the, the beginning, uh, I guess, back in March, and then we, we did another function, uh, I think it was a Memorial Day ceremony, where we have the ability to, to have our color guard. And so... And that was through the American Legion, post 316 in Woodstock. So uh, our color guard, uh, it's an, it, and that's, I think, probably one of the most patriotic uh, special teams that you can be on. And we have, uh, we've been all over the city. Matter of fact, uh, a couple of years ago, we even had our color guard go down to, uh, to Atlanta uh, with, all, with the all-academy military ball, which are all the service academies. Wow. That come up in December, and they used our color guard as uh, as the color guard of choice throughout the metro area. That's to present fantastic. the colors that evening. Oh yeah, that that is absolutely fantastic. I uh, my uh, youngest son that's that's in the military uh, graduated from Texas A and M, so we always had a little little house dispute. I graduated from uh-huh. Texas Tech, and he, he from A&M, but we'd go to their football games or go down to visit him, and uh, A&M, from start to finish, they can make your hair stand up, and their color guard and their their uh, fight song and all of this is just uh, 
just incredible. And I, I you know, and and this is a shame if if uh, our young folks aren't exposed to something like that and exposed yeah. to what does the flag mean? And so many people today don't know what the flag means. Why is yeah. it uh, red, white, and blue? Why is it? Why do we have X number of stars? What do those stars mean? There are people that don't even have a clue what the stars mean or what they represent. And, yeah, no, that's a that's a great point, David. And you know, tradition. There's a there are many many traditions within the military, and and you know, a lot of people wonder why why do we salute? Well, there's a reason why we salute. It's a tradition. It goes back to uh, to medieval days. Mm-hmm. You know, when when someone would come up on a horse and they're in the suit of armor, the the uh, the salute was an initially developed from. Uh, uh, one soldier picking up his face shield so another could see his face shield and so it's not down and so but there are all kinds of traditions you know where a where a senior ranking officer always walks to the right of uh, in a little bit in front of a of a of a, a subordinate officer or a subordinate uh, military member is so he could draw his sword to protect whatever unit however small or, or large it was because often they were they were right-handed and the senior ranking member of the of the service was always best with a with a sword. So all these military traditions, and we still teach them at JRTC, are still alive and well. And I know I know uh, Texas A and M has got many, probably more than most schools. So it's fun to see it. You know, the older I get, and when you're when you're going through basic or AIT or whatever, and you're a grunt, and you say, why in the world are we doing that? This is stupid. And then, you know, 50 years later, I realize why we did it and yeah. why, what it yeah. means to do it. And uh, yeah. and you don't forget it. No. And, <laughs> you know, I, I even step off out of my shower in the morning with my left foot. And, uh, That's right. You know, so, yeah, yeah it sticks. Yeah, and and I love the way you started your show with oh. uh, with a Jody. Oh yeah, you know you'd you'd run to them, you'd walk to them. You don't forget those no. throughout the year, lifetime. You know, and, and uh, the cadence call got me through. I I did my AIT, well, basic and AIT at Fort Ord, California, and uh, you know on the force marches. You would think, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to make it that the next mile or the next step, you know. And then either your platoon uh, leader or your uh, drill sergeant would start up a Jody, and uh, it just sort of puts a smile on your face. And no matter how many times you've done it or said it or sung it or whatever you do to them, uh, and you know we do, we have, uh, do you, you know Richard Dix? I assume. Yes, I do. I saw, I saw the interview. Yeah, great. yeah. And uh, Richard will start when when he's released again from the military. When he retires again from the military uh, and comes back doing his show, he always starts our his show by doing a Jody. You know, and it's here's a here's yeah. a general that, uh, like you said, we remember it always and. He's he's got a good voice and he, and he loves doing them, you know. And, uh, yeah, and and really it serves a purpose. I mean, you know, it keeps your mind active, it keeps the unit in step. Yep. And uh, it helps you breathe better too. So there's just uh, so many so many uh, reasons for it. But that's once again military tradition that's uh, continued throughout the years. And you don't realize 
that there's a reason for 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 what we do, and uh, and it's often if you know we don't sit down if we don't think about it, it just becomes rote. But uh, often, for many of these traditions and what we do today, there's a reason for it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, I must apologize to you, sir, in that uh, I called you Rick several times, and. I didn't get permission from you to do that, and uh, that's okay, David. My friends call me Rick. Your friend, <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> I learned very well in in uh, in basic that you don't call an officer by their name or last name or anything, or by their rank. You say "sir." End of statement. <laughs> and uh, I was taught that very well, and uh, I did a number of push-ups one time to that, and. Uh, well, uh, I thank learned you it. for your thank you for your kindness and your thought, but uh, but Rick's okay. I'm I'm retired. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and I, I let, let's get back to the junior ROTC. Are you are you getting more or less folks, uh, young people joining? And is and what's the trend across the country? Yeah, no, another great great question. Uh, so, uh, it's a high school program. So nine through twelve. But, you know, as you well know, a number of years back, this uh, began whole scholarship, and, and then we also began another program, which is uh, uh, driven by the Hope Scholarship. It's called Dual Enrollment, where you have kids, and the whole intent behind it was to transition a kid, and his, and his, uh preferably, you know, it started with the senior year. Now I think it can start as early as the junior year. To For a kid who is thinking about college and is college-bound, to get used to college, so you're able to take college classes that are, are similar to, to a high school class in high school, and you get college credit for them. So what's happened over the years is more and more kids have have run to dual enrollment, and if you're taking a college class sometimes, and, and, and this is, uh, you know, it, it goes on their college trans, uh, transcript, and it's, it's in essence free college to them. So when they graduate high school, they immediately have a bump of, let's say, anywhere from 6 to 8 to 12, however many college hours when they when they graduate high school. So that's very attractive to kids and to families. So how it affects me in GCC, I sometimes wind up losing great, great leaders and great cadets and families to dual enrollment. Sometimes the kids will stay, and, and, uh, and that's been, um, I've had some terrific leaders. You know, sometimes some kids can do it all. They can do dual enrollment, they can do a sport, they can do an activity, and do well in school and dual enroll. Sometimes they, they say, you know, sir, I, I just don't see a future. I'm not interested in the military. I think I'm going to become uh, an electrical engineer, a, a teacher, whatever it may be. And, uh, but I don't, I don't choose the military. I say, well, that's fine. And they say, I love your program. We had a lot of fun, but that's not for me. So they'll, they're the ones that might wind up leaving. The ones that are thinking about the military and academies and, and uh, ROTC program or enlisting, they're the ones often that stay. And, uh, and so that's good for them because if you spend three years in ROTC and you enlist, you're, you're enlisting at, a, 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 I think, a great higher. You're enlisting at, a, at an E3 or an E2. Um, so, so I would say with us, our, our program is steady around uh, just around, we enroll at the beginning of the year around 50 cadets. There are some, but we're a small school. There mm-hmm. are some schools that have, oh my goodness, uh, upwards of 200, 250 cadets in their program, but that's wow. probably a 7A public school. And uh, um, 
you know, so so they have a much bigger program than we do. But uh, yeah, great question. So what what we've done and JRTC has done this year, David, is they've actually recognized that that we tend to lose. It's like a pyramid. You, most of the kids come in let's say the freshman year, mm-hmm. and every year we lose a little bit more as they figure out if it's for them or not. So by the time it gets to the top of the pyramid at, at the senior level, you you really have just, uh, you know, somewhat less than, than what, you came, what, they came in, what you came in with, you know, three or three, four years ago. So what they've done this year is JRTC has uh, extended a pilot program, and the pilot program is including eighth graders. Hmm. So we are one of the ones that was selected to bring some eighth-grade students into the King's Academy this year, and we've already had some families contact us. So, so JRTC and Cadet Command wants to recognize that four years of JRTC is absolutely critical, but if we lose them their senior year, then we've got to back it up a year. And so we're trying that to see how it's going to work this year. And um, so we're very excited about it. Now, there, there was a time... And uh, we didn't we didn't have a junior ROTC program when I was in school in high school, uh, junior high school or high school, and even in college, there were folks. Well, there, my time uh, was not a good time during the Vietnam War, but uh, you know, and and a lot of folks would make fun of of ROTC members. Do you yes. all did you do you all ever face that, or is that something that's finally gone away? No, I I think at the at the JOTC, I, I I think some uh, uh, you know it's a it's a, a a smaller percentage of the the overall uh, uh, high school student body that that plug into JOTC. I think more would enjoy it than than we have actually coming into the program, but but for whatever reason they don't try it. Mm-hmm. What we find out is if they have a friend in there, and the friend tells them, "Hey, let you know, let me tell you what we're doing in JRTC," and they hear about all the cool stuff we're doing, then they say, "Okay, hey, I'm going to try that." And so, so it's 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 often best if they uh, I, I shouldn't say best, but it's more attractive to them sometimes, depending upon the, the cadet and the student. If they have if they know somebody in JRTC, then they can kind of tell them ahead of time, and and they have a, a buddy in there. But um, as far as being uh, ostracized or um, looked down upon, the ROTC program, the JRTC program, does not experience that. They they love us. The, the school loves us, uh, and we and we help the um, uh, the school. And and I think that they love the cadets as well. Yeah. Do you think there'd be a possibility of your color guard coming to America's Web Radio and uh, introducing themselves? I'm sorry. Do you think there'd be a possibility of your color guard coming to America's Web Radio and introducing themselves and talking about the program? I would love for them to do absolutely. I, I want to do it. I think we could have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I've got an awesome color guard, and uh, they were, uh, it would be an honor for us to be able to do that. Well, we have we do video as well as uh, just audio, and. Uh, I think you and I'll talk about it, and uh, just as long as they don't point at the old man that's got chill bumps <laughs> when they come in, you know. Uh, yeah. I just uh, I, I often wonder about myself in that uh, 
I've never been put in the situation, and I hope I never am. But if I came across somebody burning my flag or yeah. doing anything else to it, I'm not sure what I would do. And I don't ever want to yeah. be put in that position because it, it, yeah. it would drive me crazy because I, I've i always, my parents thought, my dad was a, a naval officer in World War II, and, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, we didn't talk, we talked about it some, but we didn't dwell on it. He never dwelled on it, and he didn't stay in. He, I remember when he retired from uh, the reserves. But, yeah. uh, you know, it. Uh, I still respected him, and he always, we always in my family honored the flag. And that was just, yeah. that was the beginning and the end of the story. And, uh, well, you know, David, um, and, and I think I, I, I sent you a note that the, the Color Guard, I mean, it's, it's uh, one of the most patriotic that we have within our organization, of course, because you have the ability to present the flag to the community and, and, and the world. And uh, and so I mean, what what can be more patriotic than that? Is, and ha- and especially have the privilege to to walk beside it and hold it. But we also have several other teams too. We have a we have a, a drill team, a rifle team. We have uh, raider team, uh, academic leadership team, and we have a cyber team. And body is in this year. The phenomenal and we're, we're the best in the state right now at the platinum level as far as cyber we have a great dad that uh, that leads us uh, michael kirshner does an awesome job he's one of our parents and, and he volunteers his time to, to lead this team it's just absolutely incredible what they're able to achieve and many of them go on college and you know we're uh, as far as cyber i mean you hear about i mean how many sometimes you hear about this nation is having a cyber attack on on the u.s on our on our systems and so we need these young people out there being able to, you know, to help defend us uh, as far as cyber attacks. And, and it starts here. And so we got some terrific cadets, great, great cyber team. You know, I've got to ask this, and um, and this is a reflection in what you've told me and, and the excitement that I hear in your voice. That, that tells a lot of the story. But you've been doing it how many years? This is my tenth year. Tenth year. Okay. So, how many of the the kids that have gone on have you heard from in the in the last ten years? You know, and that's the beautiful thing. These these cadets, and, and I'm so glad you're asking some great questions. I'm, I'm glad you asked that that question too, because what warms my heart is when these cadets, these these beautiful cadets, go off to do some great things and then come back and they say, Colonel, I just want to let you know that. Uh, I want to come by and say hello. Sometimes they just pop in. And what I'll always do if I'm in the middle of a lesson and I see a cadet, he comes over unannounced, I'll always stop class and say, okay, hey, here's so-and-so. Uh, there, there are pictures up on the wall on a composite, and I'll say, he was here eight years ago, and this is what he did. Now he's back. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? And I love to highlight them. And um, and so, you know, it goes so fast, and, uh, and what, what sometimes these cadets that are that are before me my high school cadets say you know what he was just like me i'm i'm where he i'm where he is eight years ago right now and uh and they and they kind of think of what can be and so that's why uh i, I always love to have cadets come back and see it happens quite a bit where they just want to come in say hello to me 
and uh, just talk to the cadets and just say hello. So it's a beautiful thing. It is. And uh, you, uh, I, I'm sitting here saluting you as, as you're speaking in that, uh, you know, you said it's not you. Well, it is you. And, uh, you know, leadership can start at the bottom or it can start at the top. But leadership is still leadership. And the respect that... Uh, a leader gets is a reflection of the job that he's done he or she has done and uh, well, yeah one other thing that and you mentioned this and uh, uh, again I want to uh, point out the fact that when I was growing up a <laughs> hundred years ago you know there there were certainly women in the military but generally speaking it was in a, a nurse's role or something like this but we now have some some great great women leaders in the military. Yes. Personally, I hate to see them when they're in a combat position. I I still have my my uh, gentleman feelings or whatever, and I, I I I'm not a big supporter of women in a combat uh, not zone, but a combat uh, you know uh, situation. But with that being said, we still have some women that uh, served so honorably in Vietnam and have served so honorably. And some of them, I think, might have been competing with you, sir, <laughs> with the, in, yeah. that, in that helicopter, maybe. That's right. Yeah, I've served alongside some, some, great, some great young ladies. So, and I, you know, as I salute others, I always want to remember that uh, the women have served and... Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like before they really got into active duty in the in all branches, they they were still serving. And I also like to point out that for every person that's in the military, the family is in the military right alongside them, and uh, yes, in sure. their support of them in one situation or another. Absolutely, and you you said something about. About uh, about how important it is to to select a good leader, and uh, we have we actually have the uh, the privilege of having a lot of good leaders, and it's just hard it's hard to select the right one because there are so many good leaders. But but they're all they're all things we select that that uh, are uh, uh, win the position or, or compete and, and are selected for the position of a battalion commander. And uh, and you and you said that uh, that the leader sets the tone for the organization, and I've seen that because we're a cadet-run program, and the top leader in our organization is absolutely critical because so goes the leader, so goes the organization. If you have if you have an organization that is functioning well, you can look at that top leader and say, okay, he's doing what he needs to do, and it's often serving. And so this past year, and and uh, we had two great leaders, and one was a female, the first. The first uh, part of the year, and then and then we ended up with, uh, and both came out. Uh, sir, you're breaking up and I terribly. Oh, sorry, but both of them, great job. Um, and so, you know, there's yeah, an old, I haven't gone anywhere. There, there's the old farm saying, "The cream rises to the top," and I think uh, right. most great yeah. leaders, uh, you know. I come back to this because this is one of the first, as a kid, one of the first war movies I ever went and went with my family, as a matter of fact, to Helen back with Audie Murphy, and it was his story, yeah. you know. And um, right. 
he he proved his leadership and started from the bottom down and uh you know and and like i said uh, the the cream rises to the top with the leader and in any in anything that's true but um you know this is this is uh we're gonna have to get out of here in a f- couple of minutes but uh last last statement sir yeah so um i'm just uh so pleased uh to uh, to be able to be at the helm of this organization, but um, it's it's often it's not me. It's uh, it's a team, and I look at the cadets, and I have some great cadets and great families, as I said before. But but um, you know, I just want to give God all the credit and all the glory and all the honor because I tell you, without Him, uh, none of this would be possible. And uh, and so I'm I'm just uh, just just so privileged and, and uh, pleased that God can use me in this position. So. And, uh, and we're enrolling now, too, I might add. That, uh, so if anybody's interested in enrolling in, in the King's Academy, JRTC, uh, we're uh, starting school in about the first or second week of, of August. So if you're interested and you live in the metro area, specifically up around uh, north, uh, northwest Atlanta, uh, give us a try. We'd love, to, we'd love to have you come on board with us. Uh, so this is the, the decision that the uh, school has made. What, what type of... Um you know, is this going to be a separation thing or mask or? Well, it looks as at, at this point we're a we're a private school, a private homeschool school. So if you homeschool or you're in a private school, we can't take public school, but because uh, public schools have their own programs. Mm-hmm. But with your, if you're homeschooled, which most kids homeschool, private school, then uh, we'd love to have you. And we're we're going to start. We're going to start physically. And so that's uh, the second week of, of August at this point. So I think the school starts the 10th. We start the 12th with uh, JRTC. Fantastic. Uh, Rick, I want to thank you again for coming on. And I, I certainly want to talk to you about getting some of you and some of your kids into the studio. And uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just have a good time doing it for sure. And I uh, want to remind everybody we've been speaking with Colonel Rick Stepet that uh, is retired from the U.S. Army, and he was a helicopter pilot as well as uh, Intel. And uh, we we certainly appreciate you taking your time. And folks that want to listen to it again, there it will be posted on our archives uh, probably later today or to, at least by tomorrow. And you can listen to it anytime. And if you all want to put it, if you want to put it on your website, sir, you're welcome to do anything you want to with it, and uh, we'll be in touch on uh, on getting me chill bumps with the uh, color guard. Great, thank you so much, David. I, I really enjoyed the discussion today. Thank you, sir. All right, bye. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio, and uh, we'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.